Bulls and the Bears, sponsored by Online Trading Academy, the most trusted name in financial education and celebrating 25 years of service. I am Aaron Warby, and I'm here with the incomparable Nigel Cave. And today, our topic in this podcast is about, uh, is about you know, the, the pensions in France, the riots. Yeah. Is that going to affect the United States, or is that what the United States is going to look like in a couple of years? I don't know what these riots are about. You have no idea? No. All right. Well, let's let's take a look at that. Okay. You're going to so, hear my my first reaction off of this. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. So yes, protesters storm Paris Euronext building in anger over pension law. That that was the title of a story by uh, Naomi Olive, uh, April twentieth, published on Reuters. Okay. From Paris. All right. Uh, said a group of protesters briefly invaded the offices of stock market operator Euronext in Paris, La Defense Business District, on Thursday, saying big companies must pay up to finance pensions as part of a wider protest against the rise of the retirement age. Okay, so here's what happened in France. Uh, the government can't pay for pensions anymore. Mm-hmm. People are living longer and whatever else. And it's and not set up for that, yeah. It, well... Yeah, they're they're not collecting enough taxes and they can't raise taxes high enough to pay for it is basically what it's coming down to. Or yeah. nobody wants taxes to raise in order to pay for it. Yeah. And so the retirement age, which was at 62, the state retirement, oh. is now at 64. And Just people still don't like that. Us. What was I mean, that? What, our retirement age is 65 and they're trying to move it to 67? Well, they're trying something. to move it to 72. 72? Oh, my 72. gosh. Wow. Yeah, well, they, uh, they have to. I, we'll read about that in a minute, okay? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the story goes on. Here's a quote by one, of the, um, by one of the protesters. We are told there is no money to finance pensions because that's what the French government told everybody. Mm-hmm. We have to move the, it up because we don't have money to keep paying for it at 62. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, said Saud Rael, unionist uh, Fabian Villid. I'm going to butcher that. Yeah. Villedu. I was like, I'm not even going to try that right. name. Yeah. <laughs> he says, but there is no need. There is no need to get the money from the pockets of the workers. There is some in the pockets of the billionaires. So they stormed the stock market, the French stock market building yeah in order to convince the billionaires there that they needed to give them money fund everybody's retirement interesting because yeah they didn't want taxes to raise and that's what he's saying you know no need to take it from the workers take it from the billionaires you know and i've actually heard this most of my life that people are people will say that social security will will go away because the government can't pay for it forever or or things like that i I don't know how true that is i've just heard people say that for a very long time um, but I know that there's a lot of people that the only reason they can retire is because of Social Security. And that's true. You know, the thing is, I don't know. I don't think that Social Security is going to go away, but is it going to change? I think it, I think it has to. OK, yeah. um, if we don't do something about it. So, you know, the the United States, instead of having state pension, what's called state pension, we do have state pension. It's called Social Security. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's due to run out of money. And this is a government report, by the way. In fact, I've got it here somewhere. Just a sec. Let me see. Right here. The Congressional Budget Office on February 15th published the Budget and Economic Outlook. And it found that without government intervention, meaning more money Mm -hmm. put towards it, 
um, meaning they have to raise the taxes. All right, Social Security Administration Trust Fund will become insolvent by 2032. Oh. Now, last March, That's the Congressional soon. Budget Office yeah, predicted a go-broke date of 2034. Now it's moved up two years. Do you know why? <laughs> because that is the devastating effect of inflation. Yes. Yeah. In December, it revised that deadline to 2033, and now in February, it's 2032. Hmm. All right. Wait, now, so, but in America, you can start withdrawing Social Security at 62, right? I, you know what, I'm, I'm not really, I, I, so I, I, was, I don't know. I was talking to somebody about this because yeah. they were saying that they wanted to, to not withdraw Social Security as early because apparently you get paid more the more yeah. years you wait. Yeah, I know that my parents waited until 72 because evidently somebody told them that that's when you max it out or something like that. Yeah, that and that's what <clears throat> this guy was telling me too. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not on, I'm nowhere near Social Security, so I have no idea. Um, right. But apparently if you were to push that back a couple of years, let's say the minimum age 64. Right. That may help things, may piss some people off. Who knows? <laughs> well, yeah, so in France, they're doing it, and, and for two reasons, all right? Number one, if you wait two years, then the population of people actually withdrawing is going to thin a little bit because mm-hmm. there's going to be some of the population that passes away during those two years. Yeah. Right? Um, but also, it gives fewer years in retirement, meaning that they have to come up with less. Now, here in the United States, out of everybody who's working, their paycheck comes a percentage towards Social Security. That money used to be put in a fund and just wait for you. Yeah. But back in uh, the early 2000s, the government decided, hey, why don't we just use that money to pay off some of our debt? And we'll just let the, the workers, we've got more people working than retiring. And so the people that are working are just going to pay for the retired. And so they upped the um, Social Security a little bit. Uh, they started taxing those that were drawing Social Security. <laughs> that wasn't pretty, by the way. <laughs> Anybody that remembers that, right? And uh, and then they um, and and then they use that money to pay, you know, balance what they call balance the budget. Yeah. And congratulations, we now have balanced budget at least for a year. All right. Um, now, now that we are getting to a point where there are going to be more people retiring than working. Mm-hmm. Because our population is aging. People aren't having as many children as they used to. So our workforce is thinning. Mm-hmm. Um, but the retirement people aren't thinning. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> right. getting bigger. Yeah. yeah. So so the question is, is what's going to happen to them? And unless we are willing to raise the taxes by quite a bit for those people that are working, then we are going to have to see a change in in the Social Security as a structure. Okay, Either they are going to need to raise the age limit... Mm-hmm. And that's one of the fir- first things they want to do. So there's basically three proposals. Raise the age limit, which only kind of takes care of the problem. Yeah. It, it pushes it out for another maybe five, eight years, something like that. Hmm. All right. And then we're back to an insolvency. Um, they could raise the taxes. Nobody wants that. And, you know, people don't get elected by raising taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Or number three, they could do away with, re- with Social Security just for everybody. And give Social Security only to those that absolutely need it, kind of like state welfare. Yeah. So those are the three proposals on the table right now. But one way or another, if we don't raise taxes significantly on Social Security specifically, then it is due to run out by 2032, and it's going to change one way or another. And so, yes, I think that, that what we're seeing in 
uh, France is very relevant to us. It's just kind of a foreboding, you know, a foreshadowing, I suppose, of what we are probably likely to see um, in the near future here in the United States, and especially if inflation keeps climbing up. You know, we've seen that dramatic shift from 2034 down to 2032 inside of just one year. If inflation keeps going up, then we're going to see that that uh, you know 2032 start inching towards 2030 down to 2028 something like that. Yeah, and you know something I don't think people understand about inflation is last year we had inflation at seven percent. This year we have inflation at five percent. Those numbers aren't. It's not growing as in it's taking it away. It's still last year everything was up seven percent, and this yeah. year we're up another five percent so it's actually 12 percent over two years yeah it's not that this number is shrinking in that way (laughs) it's still growing yes and and, and i don't think people necessarily understand that we're like oh inflation's going down yeah but you're still adding them on top of each other it's not minusing off what it's already done it's already impacted right yeah you know and so uh, you know being somebody that does that is very very interested in both trading and investing Mm mm-hmm and the investing part, of course, being related to retirement. You know, I took a look at the number that is collected out of people's paychecks for Social Security and um, looked at it as in if I had that kind of money put away every year of my working life, um, would it actually come up to retirement? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, the answer, of course, is it depends. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the diaper, depends. Yeah. But it depends on, on what it is put into and how it's done. But if you were to put it in just the, you know, the S&P 500, then I would say that what we're getting out of Social Security in retirement is, prob- is pretty anemic. Mm-hmm. It's not invested well yeah. from that standard. Okay, but this shouldn't be a surprise because, you know, m- much like France's socialization of pensions all right they put it into the government's hands and and government is known for a lot of things but i've never met a government that was known for efficiency yeah or it didn't have a money problem of some sort yeah Yeah, they're they're very inefficient you know by the very nature of government they're inefficient yeah um and so putting it into the hands of the government already should have told you that it wasn't going to work out as well as (laughs) (laughs) you know however would people, and, and this was the argument back in, you know, in the 30s, 40s, I guess, when Social Security came about, would people put it away on their own? Would they contribute to their own retirement fund if the government didn't take it out of their paycheck? I'm going to say no. And you're probably right. Okay. Uh, and so there's a self-discipline problem. But I think that that even with Social Security, you know, it's not the way to retire, no, no, I don't think and, so. And I don't think that this is something that we should count on long-term to retire us. So now we're going to get to the point, what should we do? You know, and, and how should we handle this? And the thing is, is that most of us would think, all right, well, if we're not going to put it into the hands of the government, then we're going to put it in the hands of a 401k or an IRA manager. And also not a great choice. <laughs> Sorry. Also yeah. very inefficient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, because 401k simply use mutual funds. And on a different show, maybe we'll talk about mutual funds. And why they're so bad. Or maybe just later in this one. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe just later in, the, in this It yeah, really, podcast. I mean, I don't know, it might rile Aaron up, but it riles me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've seen me riled up. Yeah. 
And the difference between me riled up and not riled up is actually pretty subtle. Yeah, it's slight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So, you know, the current plans come down to 401ks or IRAs that somebody else is managing and maybe some savings and thinking that we can retire without that. Well, you know, so if you look at 401ks and do this search on the internet, all right, just do um, 401k balances by age. Oh, that's it's a sad search. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's sad. So the average 401k balance at 65 is $261,000. Yeah. Now, that depends on the site that you're looking at, but it's all within the range of, of about 250000 Yeah. Right. Now, on average, if you look at, at, the, um, if you look at, at Google again and say, how much do I need to retire? Um, then it's probably going to take you to a site that says you need about 2.5 million to retire, and that's and that's living off of what they used to be the four percent rule. Now I think they've changed <laughs> the five percent rule because four percent wasn't working anymore. Uh, well, yeah, which means that you withdraw five percent <laughs> of your retirement every single year to live off of. Yeah. So five percent of 2.5 million is. Yeah, and by the way, the four percent rule doesn't work anymore because back when the four four percent rule mathematically worked. We were in the 90s where the where the moving average of the S&P 500 was a year-over-year year of about 10%. Yeah. Okay. But now the year-over-year year is about 8.19%. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to keep dropping because of the nature of the markets these days. And if you wonder what the nature of the markets are, then listen to the podcast that we did um, a little bit earlier. It was, uh, you know, the one that just came before this look at all of our podcasts yeah, okay we our investors behaving irrationally yeah. that was the last one we did that was the last one irrational investors all right so look for that in the title and it'll explain a little bit about the markets and how things have really changed all right but now let's look at the difference because you know what else can we do is probably the question if if social security isn't going to be around if our 401ks um, aren't performing well, and our IRAs that somebody else is managing aren't doing the job for us, mm-hmm. if the market is getting less efficient for for these uh, buy and hold people, right? Yeah. Then we have to do something different. Um, if you were to ask me about risk, you know, people come up to me all the time when they find out that uh, that I teach trading and investing, and they say, well, uh, you know, that's really, that's really risky. Oh, God. Really risky. My my one of my favorite things people say yeah. to me, and I agree with them. Okay, um, risk is what you don't know, and if you don't know what you're doing, then it's stupid risky. Well, <laughs> and people that are giving their money to somebody else don't know what they're doing, and so here's here's you know here's where I'm going with it. If you were to ask me what risk is, I would say that if I had a goal out there as to what I needed for retirement, and I had I was into something that. I knew absolutely was not going to make my goal, mm-hmm. then I have a hundred percent risk of failure. Yeah. But doing something different that gives me a chance at getting there is less risk. Yeah. By definition. Well, and you gotta you gotta admit that a lot of financial planners ha- are just very good salespeople, right? They've been built up to say, hey, you know what, you just put your money here and, and eventually everything will work out and you'll be able to retire as long as you you do XYZ. And there's there's no guarantee of that. You don't even know what you're putting your money into. Yeah. But you're just hoping that this person who's trying to sell you this idea <laughs> is going to be the one who can yeah. do it. Yeah. You know what? I've got a, I've got a great I've got a great quote for this. Okay. Really, 
Um, this is from Warren Buffett. So, so here's the idea. From this point forward, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the differences between a financially educated retirement plan and the average retirement plan from the know nothing, just going to give somebody else my money yeah. type person, right? And the differences in opportunity. All right. So first, let me just read a quote by Warren Buffett. He says, risk comes from not knowing what you are doing. So wide diversification is only required when investors are ignorant. You only have to do very few things in your life so long as you don't do too many things wrong. That was his quote. Okay. Now I agree. Yeah. Now, now the thing is, is if you were to look at Warren Buffett and, and uh, look at what he tells people to get into, most often is quoted that he he would expect the average investor to simply buy the S&P 500. Which is the average of the market. Which is the average of the market, but it's also wide diversification, okay? The S&P 500 has 505 companies of, uh, Companies in it. Now, well, no, 505 stocks, 500 right. companies. Yeah, 505 of the best performing stocks from companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stocks from the best performing companies, I suppose. Um, in it as, and, and so, you know, if you look at that any, anywhere over 20 and you've really got wide diversification, anything over 20 and you're starting to average the market, Mm -hmm. but he's saying that that is only necessary for people who are ignorant Mm -hmm. because Warren Buffett does not expect to do, do things the way the market does. He does not expect market return. He, He expects better than market returns over time. Yeah. All right. Okay. So for the average person, Get doing more guessing about the markets than knowing. Wide diversification is absolutely necessary. It's the only op- it's the only thing that they can do to actually take risk off the table. Yeah. Because otherwise they are at full risk. Yeah, and right? if, if something is losing you ten percent, but some something else is making you twelve or thirteen percent, well then technically yeah. you're positive. Great. Yeah. But that isn't the most efficient because you didn't need to lose the other ten percent. Right. So if you're into the 401ks, that's also wide diversification. 401ks are full of mutual funds. Mutual funds, the whole point of them is wide diversification, right? Um, whether that's in a particular sector and they've just got a whole swath of companies in a sector mm-hmm. or whether you're looking at just kind of a market um, average and they're picking up hundreds of companies, you know, the stocks of companies from, you know, from every sector. Either way, it's going to average the market or more often than not, it's going to uh, come under the yeah, market average. Underperform the market. Yeah, underperform yeah. the market because they're already averaging the market with the 500 different stocks that they've got, but then they've got fees on top of it where the S&P has very few fees. Yeah. And that's why Warren Buffett says, yeah, just buy the S&P. You avoid the fees and you're still averaging the market, mm-hmm. right? All right. Um, so if you're going to do that, then like I said, the average 401k at 64 is just... 260 some odd thousand dollars, 264 or 261, depending on which site you're looking at. Okay. Not enough to retire. Yeah, that's not retirement. Um, but that's that's kind of the know nothing person with their 401k that's uh, that according to the gurus has done everything right and has specified and faithfully contributed to the 401k with every paycheck. What happened? Why aren't they retiring well? Well, it's because between 2020 and 2020, you know, I'm sorry, 2000 and 2020, if you, if you do this search, all right, just search, um, yeah, market average, market average last 20 years. Mm -hmm. All right. And it's going to give you, it's going to give you a lot of different answers. But if you go to Credit Donkey, who is not a mutual fund, who doesn't have a dog in the fight, who's just pulling the data, they will tell you that the, 
um, average mutual fund produced just 4.67% annual returns in those 20 years. That is anemic. It will also say that during the same period, the S&P 500 produced um, 8.19%. Now, what it actually says is this is 3.59% less than the average S&P index. Yeah. All right. But that those two numbers, 4.67 and the other number, 3, 3 point whatever, comes up to 8.19%. And that's yeah. how the S&P um, index, uh, that was the return, the annual return of the S&P index. Yeah. Over okay. that same period of time. Over the and, same period of and time. And that's why yeah. earlier when Aaron and I uh, were making snood comments about mutual funds, uh, it's because... We know this fact, and we see oh, yeah. people come through our doors and say, hey, why don't I have enough money to retire? Or how can I get a better rate of return? Because whatever investment vehicle I have been in is not working. Right. And I think I told you about this. And, and if you were listening to the radio show before the podcast, right, then you know that uh, in the radio show, we've, we mentioned this a couple of times, but I had a guy come up to me in 2020 um, after attending one of my classes, and he wanted to impress me. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, I want to. I know that uh, most mutual funds don't do very well, but look at my mutual fund. You know, here it is in 2022, uh, the end of 2022, and he he shows me a um, he shows me that in I'm sorry, it was the beginning of 2022. Uh, he shows me his 2021 returns in his mutual fund, were, which were at 19. percent Look at that! I'm way yeah. out doing that 4.67 percent. Yeah. And I smiled at him. And I went over to the computer and I pulled it up and the S&P 500 during that year did 29%. Yeah, 29.4%. Right. Yeah, so, and that's where it, it people kind of get me with uh, no context, right? Right. When you look at an average of the market and then you look at a mutual fund, now yeah. you have context. If you have no context and you go onto your financial planning website, whether it's Fidelity or whoever, right. and you look and it says, oh, one year performance is 10% and the next in three years was 15% and five years was 30%, you look at that and think, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then you compare that to the S&P and you say, wow, it's that's horrible. That's <laughs> that's half. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're exactly right. No context because they, they aren't educated to see what else is out there. And they don't know necessarily what to even look for. Right. And they don't know that the you know, mutual fund is simply 500 different stocks, but the S&P is 500 different stocks. It's the same thing, only the S&P doesn't have as many fees and it generally out, you know, it performs much better than the mutual funds. Yeah. And there are some mutual funds that for a time will do better. Uh, again, here it is in late 2019 and somebody showed me that their ARC fund was up 100%. Hmm. Okay, well, that was before the massive dive, because if they're still holding it, then they're back to 2017 levels. Yeah. I mean, it's retraced that much. They've lost everything that they've had in there since 2017. ARC was a fund that was created by a Mm -hmm. lady who basically threw a bunch of tech stocks into Mm -hmm. a pile and said, hey, these are going to outperform the market. They did for about six months, (laughs) and then they came plummeting down. It was beautiful. I mean, that climb was just amazing. Yeah, and it did. It it went from yeah. twenty dollars to about one hundred and eighty, and now and it's at twelve. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not good. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, now now let's look at at that as and and we're going to say all right, that's wide diversification, okay. But now let's just pick out individual stocks. So for somebody that is good at picking out individual stocks like Warren Buffett, then back in two thousand they might have picked out Apple. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, the the iPod is out. That's becoming very popular. Who doesn't love Apple? Yeah, it's probably time to invest in Apple because obviously they're beating the game here. Um, and uh, 
And so if you had taken the same money and put it in Apple, well, where the S&P 500 had an 8.19% return um, over those 20 years, Mm -hmm. Apple had Year over year. Yeah, year over year. That's exactly right, which actually you're you're right in pointing that out because because once you really do the math, it's worse off than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, what I'm going to quote from Apple is not. This isn't a year over year. This is an actual return. Yeah. Okay. Over that same period, Apple returned 3,200%. That's impressive. Yeah. Now, the truth in the matter is, is that a very few companies are responsible for the overall climb of the market. I think the NASDAQ in that same period of time only did 1,500%. Yes. So it did half as well as Apple. Exactly. Wow. Right. Yeah. And so Warren Buffett might be on to something. You know, you only have to do a few things right. If you get it right, then you're good. But wide diversification is going to dilute all of your, your profits. Yeah. Um, you've got some losers in with your winners, and, and it dilutes it. And so obviously the way to go is not have losers. All right? Don't be holding losers. Mm-hmm. But everybody says, well, nobody's that good. All right. You know what? For large companies, that might be true. For individuals, do you have to hold a loser? No. No. There's things called stops. Yeah. All right. Large companies can't use them, but individual investors can. And there's the options market that can also provide you other sorts of protections. Exactly. Yeah. You can keep holding what you've got as long as you've got options against it to balance it out. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but the idea is what you don't want to be doing is if it's going to lose 40%, you don't want to be holding that turkey. No. You want to have a stop on and say, all right, I'm out. And if look it at, gets down to a point, then I'll pick it back up. Look at Tesla. Tesla yeah. went from, I don't know what its highest point was, but it basically lost 70 or something like that. Well, it lost yeah. 70% of its value. Right. And now it's sitting somewhere around, well, actually, it dropped back down. Now it's, it's, it's instead of being 50% down, I think it's like 60% down, somewhere in there. Hey, but Kathy Wood and uh, Kramer both believe in Tesla. Yeah, which, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I might be a buyer of Tesla at 40. Yeah, somewhere. It's at 160-something. <laughs> there would so. be a price that I would be in yeah. on Tesla. And that it's price is not yet. much lower than it is now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless I plan to do something like uh, covered calls against it, because that is very profitable. That is very profitable. That's something we're going to address in, in a future podcast, by yeah. the way. All right. Um, all right. So, yes, getting into the mutual fund gave a person wide diversification, ensured that they did not lose everything, because if you got into just one stock like SVB, Ooh, then you lose, you lose quite a bit. You know? Everything, Everything, basically. Unless you had a stop, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> hint, hint. Yeah. <laughs> <Give> st- <laughs> right? Someone who knew slightly more got into an index fund, performed much better than the mutual fund holders on average. All right? But to do really well, diversification is not your friend. All right. But if you're if you're going to do very well, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, diversification is your friend. Yeah. It's the only thing you've got. Well, and and really just like Warren Buffett says, the average is the S&P. If you don't know anything. Right. Use the average. Don't use something that underperforms the average. How crazy. (laughs) Yeah. All right. But to do really well, diversification is not your friend. So, you know, you've got the choice. Four point six, seven percent with uh, the average mutual funds um, over a 20-year period, uh, 8.19% with the S&P 500 over that same time span, or 3,200% for the person that was holding Apple. All right, and if you had just a couple of stocks like that, then hey, you'd 
be performing much better than the average, and that's how Warren Buffett looks at it. I think he's absolutely right because there's really no comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I don't know, not only my considered opinion, but Warren Buffett's. So take it for whatever it, you want with that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's, that's, that, that seems to hold up. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the problem. Warren Buffett has been heard to say several times that for the know-nothings that you've got to do that. But people aren't satisfied with just doing average. And I think that that's why we have so many people doing what I would, well, what is termed speculation. All right. A whole bunch of know-nothing people that are saying, hey, yeah, I see that my 401k isn't performing well. I've got to do something else. How about I start doing it? Obviously, I'm going to get into the market and somehow magically, without any training, without any idea of what I'm doing, I'm going to pick out the next winner. Yeah, I'm going to be a genius and I'm just going to magically pick one. Yeah. And so we've got a whole bunch of people that got really excited about Tesla and sure enough, they bought Tesla while it was really high and now it's really low and they're very sad. You know, I think these people probably um, saw that during a bull market, most mm-hmm. things go up. There were um, cats and monkeys picking stocks, and they were outperforming the S&P. And so people are like, well, if a cat can do it or a monkey can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And then the market starts going down, and they say, oh, where's that cat and monkey at? How are they performing? Because I'm doing horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that the, you know, to give it credit, people that are speculating in the market, uh, they... They, they understand that they need to know how to find good stocks and hold and how to use protective measures. Uh, but you can't be a know-nothing type of person and, and do that. And yeah. so they try, all right? They go and try and find something. And so one step below a know-nothing is somebody that thinks they know something. <laughs> all right and, and then they go out and do really you know really crazy things they try and use the tools of the professional you know it, but it's like a kid using a chainsaw you know uh, dad i saw dad using it and boy it took that down that that tree really fast so obviously i'm going to grab the chainsaw and they cut off their leg yeah you know and, and that's a terrible terrible thing and and so what they do in order to help themselves is they go to youtube university because because obviously YouTube has all that free information. Yeah, the answers are yeah. in YouTube. But people that go to YouTube University kind of suck for market trading. <laughs> well, I mean, really, when you look at the retail crowd of people, 85% of them don't make money. Right. 10% break even. It, there's like 5% of that population that actually make money. And what's the difference between those? And I would be willing to bet that those 5% yeah. have been trained in some way. Yeah, yeah. Name me one trader that you know that outperformed the market who learned trade through YouTube. Okay. I or, mean, yeah. and let's say outperform the market, um, not in a bull market, because again, you can buy random stocks here well, and there, and but do then things. they all lose it during the bear market. Exactly. We well, say outperform the market for years over years. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you know, the thing is, is if you're going to go to YouTube, you're really just kind of a hobbyist. And here's what I know about hobbies. Okay, you pay for hobbies. Mm-hmm. Hobbies don't pay you. Yeah. You pay for hobbies. Uh, so don't expect to go to YouTube University, learn how to trade, and and do well. That's just my warning, okay? Uh, You either learn to trade and invest right, or you accept that you are going to pay market tuition for your education and probably pay it until you finally learn how to do it right. (laughs) And we've seen it time and time again. And and market tuition, just to be clear, is you getting the market, thinking that the market's going to go one way, it goes the other way, you Mm -hmm. lose money. That is a tuition that you pay to learn that lesson. 
that you potentially did not need to pay the market because it may be it may have been a lesson that was um, very easily teachable. Right. So in our last episode, you know, which was about uh, you know people being irrational in the markets. Um, we discussed how to find highs and lows for individual stocks by following along with what the market makers do and what and why that is the only methodology that really makes sense. I think that's what we discussed during the last episode. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if you haven't uh, learned that, then you really will be subject to the market's emotional swings and you'll find yourself missing lows, missing highs, losing as much as you profit over time. Yeah. You know, if not losing more. Yeah, if not immediately. Right. And so I want to make it very clear that as a disclaimer, uh, that even though you're listening to this podcast and we do teach people how to do it right, and this sounds like, you know, great ideas and and good stuff. um, I've never seen anybody really do well from just listening to a podcast. Yeah. All right. I can give you a book right now. Yeah. still might not do so well. Right, right, right. You can listen to all of our podcasts. I don't think that I, I would be comfortable saying that you're ready to go in the market you know, take the, uh, I don't take, take the restraints off and, and trade away, mm-hmm. um, until you've actually been in, had a mentor who's over your shoulder, watching you trade and correcting you when you do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's exactly what we do in our classes. So, you know, here we are at the end. And as always, I'm going to invite you to come out and learn how to both trade and invest like market professionals. Now, for those of you that are absolutely new to the markets and have not decided that you're going to trade and invest for yourself, then I'm going to invite you to join us at a a free three-hour trading and investing class. All right, we'll teach the strategies, the methodologies uh, that both novices and professionals use. So even if you're a nugget hunter and you don't plan on on, uh, trying to really learn how to do it, you just are looking for that one extra nugget, this class is for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, We're going to take a look at managing risk and in both uh, income and trading long-term investing. We look at the opportunities in stocks, options, futures, and Forex. And you can get into this class by simply going to our website. All right. It's uh, www.tradingacademy.com. And uh, and there'll be a bunch of classes listed there if you go to uh, start your journey or something like that. All right. Click on that. And all of a sudden, a bunch of classes will, um, populate. will, will populate. All right. It'll ask you for your zip code to make sure that, that the computer pegged you right. <laughs> but then you'll have a bunch of class choices. So go there and get into one of our free classes, all right? Um, for those of you that in the audience that are already trading or have made the decision that you want to take control of your financial future with trading and investing, then we're going to invite you to join us in a three-day, intensive three-day trading and investing class, all right, where we're going to go into detail of all of the asset classes and have time to do some trading examples, discuss topics like proper diversification, uh, high yield, low risk equities, uh, the steps to finding the lows and highs and how to shield against high and moderate losses. Um, if this is for you, then we're going to invite you to our three-day class. All right. This is typically offered in center at uh, $299. Sometimes you can find it online for $199. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, but if you text in right now, then you can get into this class for just $99. All right. Uh, so text dollar sign nine nine to twenty five zero twenty nine. Again, that's dollar sign nine nine for twenty. Or that's dollar sign nine nine to the number two five zero two nine. All right. And again, 
just $99. So hope to see you there and hope to see you next week. Please subscribe to our, our podcast channel, whatever it is. Stay and updated on yeah, the latest news. Because we've got a lot more to teach you. So see you next week.